Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the steelcurtain.com with you for another Pittsburgh Steelers post-game podcast. It's another sour note for the Steelers and their fan base as they drop their second straight game. They've lost two in a row, both being at Heinz Field. And this one by the score of 24 to 10 to the Cincinnati Bengals. There is a lot to decipher here. I'm sure there's a lot to blame, a lot of blame to go around. We are going to hash it all out. Let's bring in the rest of the crew. We'll go with Brian Anthony Davis, our podcast producer. What's up, Brian? Wow, I'm absolutely numb. And I can't say that I'm completely surprised. But we got to get this taken care of. Uh, but, oh, yeah, this just uh, watching it be Cincinnati to do it to you and seeing the product on the field, you're just like, oh, yuck. Yeah, it's not good. We'll put it that way. Dave Schofield, editor of BTSC. What's up, Dave? Hey, how's it going, Jeff? It's uh, been a long time. Yeah, been a long time. Long yeah. time no talk to. So, so the Steelers lose, and there's a lot of angst, and there's a lot of anger, and there's a lot of frustration. Trust us, we feel it too. We are fans just like everyone out there listening, and we want them to succeed. This is definitely a certain, you know, a, a game that you kind of say, gosh, that was just bad from the start, whether it was penalties, whatever. And so we decided right before we went on the air that we we're going to bypass doing the typical grades as we usually do. And we're just going to kind of hash this out. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we'll bring up some uh, comments from the live chat if we feel it's necessary to talk about offense here in the first part. And then we'll talk about defense and special teams in the second. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, if we're going to talk about that first, I'm going to be honest and I'll say it right off the bat and I'm wearing his jersey, the more I watch, 
the more I feel that this offense is a Ben Roethlisberger problem. And maybe it's, you want to put it another way, that's fine. I just can't sugarcoat it anymore. And trust me, I'm a big fan of Ben Roethlisberger, have been since 2004, but it's really tough to ignore some of the blatant misfires and just boneheaded mistakes. That interception early in the game was a, I, that was right after the Terrell Edmonds interception. They give the ball right back. Just a back-breaking play. Brian, what do you think about the offense in general? Ben Roethlisberger's play will let you go wherever you want. I thought last week was a winnable game, um, even late in that game. I didn't think that this game was winnable because I just saw what Ben was doing, and he did not have it again. And something, uh, and people are calling for his head. But we'll talk about that uh, in a little while. But here's the thing about that. You know, he's just not hitting receivers right. There's something not right about him. Is the peck hurting? Is he getting time from the offensive line? No. No, he's not. But other quarterbacks, a younger Ben would have been able to take care of that. And he's not. So there's just right now. We were making excuses the first couple of weeks. We were making excuses last week, but it keeps on getting worse. The problems aren't looking like there's light ahead of this tunnel. Well, I will say that Roethlisberger had more time this week than he has had in the past few weeks, especially last week against the Raiders. Um, Roethlisberger's stat line was still very uh, deflating, in my opinion. Some of these are a little bit boosted because of the fourth quarter. 38 of 58. 318, 5.5 average, one touchdown, two interceptions, was sacked four times, seven quarterback hits with a rating of 70.9. Before I go to Dave, let's give uh, Tom your $5 tip. He put it in there. Thank you, Tom. He said, can we all chip in and get a new O-line, maybe a new OC as well? We'll talk about all that stuff. But Dave, thoughts on Ben Roethlisberger first? Oh, Ben Roethlisberger. It's it's funny because I – I say I think a lot of the problem is the quarterback play, and obviously that's been Ben Roethlisberger this season. I'm not saying, though, that the Steelers even have a quarterback that can fix this, if you know what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to say, oh, just be done and move on. The the problem is it it just doesn't seem like this offense is set up together. You know, it's between the the offensive line that they have and the receivers and the and the quarterback and everything. It just doesn't seem like it's it's all made to work together. And your entire offense has to work together. If Ben Roethlisberger is not the guy to be able to implement a Matt Canada offense, then all you're doing is just trying to get by with what Ben can do, what Ben has left in his career to have him finish it out as the Steelers try to improve the offensive line. Cause I'll be honest with you. The last thing you want to do is take a young and experienced quarterback and throw him back there. Not that the line was, was the worst thing we've ever seen today, because honestly, I think we saw worse from them earlier in the season. Um, just so many different things not coming together is kind of, like I said, Last week, I kind of expected what happened with the Steelers to be what they did in week one and to get better from that. What's awful is that it seems like it's gotten worse each week. Everything, it's just kind of gotten worse each week. And that's 
not what you expected. You expected it to be that bumpy ride that you talked about and for things to improve. You know, you have the veteran quarterback with the leadership, you have the young offensive line, you get everything, you know, you get, you, you're trying to get the, the, the ship aimed in the right direction as the season's going and it's feet. And it seems like it's just getting further off course. Yeah. And Sean Manahan gives us $2 His three sacks were on Ben for holding the ball too long. I'll agree with that. I was screaming for him to get rid of the ball on more than one occasion. To me, David feels like it's one step forward, two steps backwards yeah. every week. They do make progress in some areas. You do see actual change in a positive way, but then there's two more things. And sometimes they're new things that come out and you're thinking, oh my gosh, now they're dealing with this. In the past two weeks, it's been injuries. There were more injuries than this game. Chooks of core four is in concussion protocol. Kendrick Green with a knee there. It's going to be evaluated. And uh, I'm forgetting one. Oh, Juju Smith-Schuster with ribs. So add that on to all the other Deontay Johnson with his knee, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith with groin injuries. I mean, my goodness, the, the injury list continues to grow. And I, yeah, I said it earlier. I thought the offensive line played better. And then all of a sudden you have all these other issues. Uh, Brian, I want to talk about Najee Harris. What were your thoughts on him after today? You know what? I, I have to say with Najee Harris, I really loved what we, what he was doing. We had an opportunity to go ahead and uh, forecast this. I think we did this as, as a trio on the preview the other night when we said, you know, look, they're taking away the running game. We need Ben and Najee Harris to hook up and pass to him a lot. And remember how we were talking about the fact that he he went to Matt Canada. Ben last week went to Matt Canada and said, we need to get it to Fryermuth more. And I said, that could be a smokescreen. They're probably going to go to Najee a lot. And that's exactly what they did. So we all agreed on that. That's something that they did. As far as what did he say? Um, 140 total yards. 144. Let's see here. Uh, let me read his stat line quick. He finished with 14 carries for 40 yards, and he had 14 receptions on 19 targets for 102 yards. So combined, that's 142 yards. Well, you know what? So look at it. He's, I mean, he's electric when he gets opportunities. Now at the end, like you said, offline, before we got started, he would have he would have gotten more if he wouldn't have dropped those passes at the end. Um I don't know whether fatigue set in or not, but the guy was playing like a warrior. And he's definitely, if you're looking for a bright spot, Najee Harris is going to continue to be a bright spot. He's not getting the rushing yards because he's not getting the opportunity. When he when he does have a nice run, it's getting called back. Oh, and gosh. on the on the Kevin Dotson play, my goodness, that had no bearing on that play, did it? He also wasn't holding him either. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's one thing if you're holding him behind the play. He puts his arm out and wasn't grabbing him. Was absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, Dave, go ahead and talk about Najee. Yeah, well, can I say one other thing I forgot to say about Ben Roethlisberger? I had it in my mind, yeah. and then I didn't do it. And that was, you you can't just overlook the two interceptions. The one, he got his elbow hit because he pumped fate, held the ball too long, and that's what happened. The second one insisting on going to Juju when he had, I'm sorry, if the linebacker doesn't intercept that ball, then whatever the other position was, I I don't know because I couldn't see it again. Um, that was there covering. He had three guys. He had two guys on him and a guy between the quarterback and him. And he's still trying to throw it to, to Juju for, I mean, terrible, terrible, terrible decision to do that. 
That was bad. So on to Najee Harris. I'm going to ask, I need to ask you guys a question because we won't get snap counts until later. I know at one point Najee, you know, waved to go off the field and he came off, but then the, it was the two minute warning. This was in the first half. So because of that stop, he came back for the next play. Did he play every snap again? No, I think he definitely did. He definitely did have some plays off. I okay. Believe. But the Steelers ran 77 plays. I mean, he had two drops there at the end. The dude had already played over 70 plays, not coming out of the game. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's just me guessing right now. We'll see for sure tomorrow when the snap count comes out. Um, I, I, I know he's he's a young guy, but he when when he dropped that first ball, you know, he got the ball that was on a pass on first down on the last possession. They go back to him on second down. I'm like, he just looks tired. He looks worn out. So I, I, yeah, you got to do better and not drop those last two that he had. But I, I think he really was, you know, wearing down after, you know, he took a lot of hits from NFL caliber players and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, he's turned into a workhorse and everything else along that line. I'm not, yeah, those, the only ding on him was those were, were some drops throughout the game. Other than that, I mean, he's, he's given all he's got, it feels like. Absolutely. And uh, you wonder if Anthony McFarland, who's eligible to come back next week, will be reinstated off injured reserve or not. Let's get some super chats here. Ryan O'Toole gives us $5. I was annoyed they drew such an early bye week, but with all the injuries an early bye week may be welcome. And that's a good point. I never even thought about that. Um, they have a bye week after what is it? Week seven. Is there bye week? I think guys. I think it's week yes, seven, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Couldn't come soon enough. And then, uh, Lumberzack 94 gave us $5 says I'm so sick of the screen passes in the first quarter on the first drive. There was three or four screens in a row. That's Feetner esque. Uh, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the guy that is calling the plays. Um, Matt Canada. So we've seen now three weeks of Matt Canada and I, I'm in no way, shape or form going to say that we have a clear, distinct, idea as to how he likes to call plays. It's been bad. The offensive line has been bad. Quarterback play has been questionable at best, but what do you all think about Matt Canada so far in this short uh, time period? Brian, go ahead. I don't know who is really calling the plays because there's no innovation. Somebody just said on the live chat that it's feet in her ass. And I'm seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot of Ben right now. Um, ben influence on this. So I don't know if that's a thing because once again, screen pass, screen pass, run, run, what have you, but it gets down to third and four and Steelers are going deep. They go for those for the second week in a row. It seems like, and for all the time, it just seems like you're going for that low percentage play on third down and going for that big play. And that happened a couple of times again in this game where sometimes you have to get the first down. Now look, we we saw some we saw some instances in this game when they when uh, Ben looked fine. You know, we saw especially when they were they were doing the uh, the quick game, the no huddle game in the end, and that's that's something that. Uh, uh, so he still has the ability to throw the ball, but the play calling, I think there's too much Ben influence on it, and we we've heard from the beginning that Matt Canada was going to craft an offense around his players and his quarterback. I'm wondering how much veto power Ben has, how much uh, delegation is going on to uh, let Ben make, 
too many decisions. I, I'm not sure. All right, Dave, what are your thoughts about Matt Canada? I, it's so funny because everyone's like, oh, this looks about this, this looks like Randy Feetner or everything like that, all, all the other things. There is plenty of things that they're doing that's not what looks the same, I think, is Ben Rollsberger. You know, I mean, you've still, I mean, you've got the same quarterback that does the same things within the offense. That's what looks the same to me. So it's really hard to judge what's going on here when you're when that's the situation and it i it just feels like ben can only do certain things so therefore that's what the steelers do i may be way off with that but that's just what i feel right now when i'm seeing this that you know maybe it wasn't really a coordinator issue before it's just they could only do so much yeah, and it's such a small sample size. I really hate to even you know bring this up, but it's been a constant debate. And of course, fans are going to want to turn at the person calling the plays and say it's this person's fault or, or this, that, or the other. And so, I, I, Mad Canada, I talked about this in past shows, whether it's on the preview or my Let's Ride podcast, and that is, it has to be unbelievably difficult to call plays when you have a team that you don't trust certain aspects of your team, whether it's the offensive line to protect Mm -hmm. offensive line to open holes, the quarterback to complete plays. And if you've coached any sport, any team sport, let me put it that way at, I would say high school or above, you know what it's like when you know this will work, but you also know I can't run that play. They, they can't, we, we won't succeed with that play. And so that's a challenge for sure. Let's get to some super chats here. Steel dog 88 gave us $2 Said burrow only threw the ball 18 times. I did not realize yep. the stat line yep. was that low. We will get to the defensive side of the football here shortly. There's another one here. Let me see if I can find it quickly. Dave, if you have it, go ahead and throw it up there. I see it's $5. I, I'm trying to find it. I got it. I got okay, it. Okay, good. Bully Mob Kennel gives us $5. Has no one confirmed week 17 last year was Canada calling the plays? Maybe it looked different because of the different quarterback, not the play caller. That's right. Week 17 was Mason Rudolph at the helm when they went to Cleveland. Let me ask you all this since you brought up Mason Rudolph. I mean, it's a, it's a talking point. Let's just put it that way. What would it take, barring injury, not, can't say an injury, what would it take for the Steelers to say, okay, Ben, we're going to give Mason a shot at this? Brian, what do you think? The end of the 2021 season. They don't make changes that easy. So nothing. You say nothing barring injury could have them say, we're going to give Mason a shot here. Right now, I'm not seeing anybody with the guts to pull them. Okay. I'm not disagreeing. Just trying to clarify. Dave, you agree with Brian? Kind of. (laughs) I mean... It's interesting because, you know, there was the peck injury going until we say Ben Roethlisberger rises rises above, you know, the injury, plays better when he's injured. Not this time. Um, although, you know, the numbers look good, but the, the only number that mattered here was, you know, 10 points and, a, and an L. So Brian has a really good point. I don't think it's that time yet. I'm a, I'm I'm afraid that like Brian says that even if it's necessary it it won't be unless all of a sudden another injury creeps in if you know what I mean. Um that's that's about what it is. It just it 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 just seemed so much such a progression. I I don't see how they're 
I don't know that that fixes the problem, but right now you got to try something. You have to try something. And I do, I don't think I agree with Brian. I don't think there's any way barring an injury that they sit him down unless Ben says you need to sit me down. And we know Ben's never going to say that he's never going to do that. Um, Let's go to another player. I want to bring up. And that is a guy who questioned. I mean, I said during the game, is this guy even still on the team? Where does Eric Ebron? I mean, he did have a drop. Um, and of course, that's going to be ever what everyone remembers, but it doesn't even seem like they're using him. Am I missing him on the field? Is my first question. It seems to me, I, like Dave said earlier, we don't have the snap counts, but Brian, what are your thoughts? Where's Eric Ebron? You have his jersey. Yeah, I've. Uh... I think the Xavier <laughs> Grimble might be the uh, the better way to go, uh, as Brad Jewett thought I was wearing the other day. Uh, you know, I've seen him on there. I just don't think that uh, – I feel like he's an afterthought right now. I feel like Ben and the offense, I feel like that they believe that Pat Frymuth is their shiny new toy and he's actually doing some things that uh, I think they like a whole lot better. I think if you had to put a uh, gun to somebody's head and – say who's your one starting tight end who is your who's the guy you rely on i think they're gonna say pat fryermuth right now um so i really just don't think that uh it's getting going because i love what he can do i really like what eric ebron can do sometimes but that drop today hurt as well and they just can't keep uh popping in to the equation dave what are your thoughts about eric ebron it's funny because you actually mentioned something during the game that I thought that would be intriguing. Like when Chase Claypool was dealing with, you know, cramps or whatever, he was dinged up. Juju was out of the game. You look out there and the three wide receivers are James Washington, Ray Ray McLeod and Cody White. And Jeff is like, maybe throw Ebron out in the slot. It just, it doesn't seem that they're utilizing him as that type of tight end in this offense. I'm starting to wonder, although people still are thinking that the Canada offense doesn't look much different, but you know, it does when you really break down the formations and what they're doing, that Eric Ebron isn't the right fit for this offense they have now, that they're not utilizing him in that way, or from what they've seen from him in practice and everything else, he's not giving them enough for them to utilize him, that they don't have a confidence in doing it. So it's it's one or the other. Yeah, I mean, Ebron is, I think it was Jeffrey Benedict in the live chat that said he's the number two tight end right now, and he's getting plays like basically like uh, Vance McDonald got last season. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've restructured this guy's contract. You're going to be paying him a lot of money, um, and you're not even utilizing him. So that's interesting. Next question here as we finish up the offensive side of things, and trust me, we could go on and on about this, but you'll be hearing podcasts about this all week, and I hope you stay tuned because we will be covering this team no matter what, win, lose, or draw. Outside of a quarterback change, which we already discussed, what would be some change that you all could feasibly consider even going into this week that could maybe have a positive impact? Um, So what is something that you could say, hey, you know, if they could try this or use this player, whatever that might be, what is a change that you could see maybe paying dividends? Brian, what do you think? Well, it could happen this week, especially with the fact that – Chukes Okorafor has a concussion, but even if he didn't, I would say if Zach Banner is able to go, I think he has a positive effect on the run game. If you could put him at right tackle, I think you're going to get more holes. I really think at this point that 
Chuksukura for does not have it. I could not see them extending him. And I think all along, I thought Banner was the guy. But the problem is Banner's body hasn't made him the guy because he's it's keeping him in street clothes. So if he can get back on offense, that's a start in the right direction. If he can give protection, more protection to Ben as well, that's a start in the right direction. The one thing I don't want to see, I not, the the answer is bench chooks. That's the change that I'm talking about. Because if Banner comes back and Chooks is healthy, and you're like, okay, we'll, we'll just put Chooks instead of uh, Dan Moore Jr., I don't think you have anything better at that point. Dave, any changes that you would consider? Um, honestly, I know some people were saying, you know, with the offensive line, I, I think you might see something there with Chooks, but because they don't change these kinds of things, you're going to kind of almost need the excuse like they might be dealing with now. If he's not available, that actually might be a better thing. I do. I right now seeing how this season is going. One of the best things you might be doing is getting playing time for your rookie, for your rookie and young lineman. Like, I mean, look, Kevin Dotson, this is only a six start. Okay. Sorry. Seven start. This is the third game of the season. Okay. And it's the third start. It was the third start for green and, and for more. So at least continue to get them playing time. That's why like with banner comes back, I don't want it to obviously be like, Oh, well, Dan Moore sit down because at this point, if, if the job's not getting done, no matter what, hopefully you can at least get these guys some playing time and see if they can evolve into what and grow into what, they can be. Um, I didn't get to really break down the offensive line during the game like I sometimes try to do. So that's something that I'm going to ha have to go back and do. But I think Brian has a good point there. Other than that, do you really feel like the Steelers are going to make any changes? No. No. I, 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 I mean, that's, that's sometimes their problem to an extreme. Yet sometimes – them not making the changes the right call. Uh, well, well, maybe it takes another game sample size, but as we know in the NFL, it's only a 17-game season. You only get so many opportunities to go out there and win a game. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room for a lot of people that want to discuss it. Mike Tomlin, how much blame do you put on the coaching staff, Brian? A lot. Because we've talked about the definition of insanity, and it seems like even though they're getting nailed with injuries and they are, and you could definitely make that an excuse, but it still seems like the definition of insanity because you're doing the same thing over and over and it's not working and hoping that it's going to get better. I have not seen much of a change in that you got to put on a coaching staff, whether now I talked before who's making the uh, decisions on offense, I mean, it could be Ben, it could be Canada. We don't know. But it seems like they both have their hand in it. But if you're letting Ben, you know, run the offense, then that's a problem too. You're letting it happen. So you've got to you've got to go ahead and put a lot of it on the coaching staff as well. Dave, what about you? All right. For those of you that haven't been around here for a while, Brian still likes to bring up something 
from when we attended a game together, my last game that I've been at Heinz Field, how when the when the Steelers came out after an interception, after the two-minute warning, and they ran a wildcat play that they had no business doing, I was furious that they went to do it. And what do they do? They turn the ball over. I couldn't let it go, could I, Brian? I couldn't let it go. Oh, no. I no. still don't let it go. That was go. a long ride home. <laughs> I have I have a whole new I can't let it go. And just ask one Jefferson Hartman about this one. Yeah. Why in the world are you calling a timeout with a minute and nine seconds left in the first half when you have three timeouts and it's first and goal with the five? Najee Harris did the smart thing. I'm screaming at the TV, stay in bounds, stay in bounds. You know why? Because you want to run the clock down. You have three timeouts. You're only going to get three more plays because it's going to be an and goal situation. It's not like you have to have a bunch of time to move the whole way down the field. And instead, they call a timeout right there, score on the next play, and what do you know? Cincinnati has a minute to do what they do. Now, you still got to play defense. You still got to not have terrible um, roughing the passer calls happen and things like that. But right there, even you, – and you're like, oh, we gave up the chunk play. You wouldn't have had to give up the chunk play if you wouldn't have been dumb and called the timeout. So – so another 40 seconds comes off the clock while you huddle up, get your play, get your personnel, and then you get out on the field to do your thing, run the play. There was all, you, were, you were already four or five seconds into the play clock by the time they called the timeout. So you have it all set up. You've got 20 seconds left after running your first down play. Then call timeout. You've got plenty of time to then run two more plays after that. You know what they score on that next play anyway? You know how much time's left for the Bengals? 20 seconds. Okay, that's just a, a bad, dumb clock management move to, to, to call your timeouts too early. You didn't need a minute and nine seconds. And in that situation with five yards left to go, that was just I don't know if it was an overreaction. And what really got me irked about that was someone called. I don't know who would ask the question, but someone called Tomlin out on it in the press conference. And he was already pretty fired up anyway. And what did he do? He, he said, acted like remember. he didn't know what they were talking about. Yep. You know what? Now, it didn't lose your team the game, but you killed your momentum going into the half, knowing they're getting the ball when they come out in the second half. That made me mad. The players, okay, the players still have to go out on the field and do their thing. And they didn't. They didn't. In a 24-10 game, you didn't. But you killed momentum. You made a dumb decision. And then you act like you didn't know what was going on. I still think Mike Tomlin is a good coach. But that was awful. That was terrible. And you can still say that someone is a good coach. And yet they did something terrible in a game. You know what? You've got to get better next time because not every receiver doesn't catch every ball. Every quarterback doesn't complete every pass. Every running back doesn't hit every hole. And every coach doesn't make the right decision. But that is one that cost your team seven points and killed your momentum. You made a mistake, Dave. You said that made me mad as in past tense. I think oh, yeah. that makes <laughs> me mad because it's still making you mad. Brian, go ahead. I have to say this. I love watching a game with Dave Schofield. But one part that I hate about watching a game with Dave Schofield is the fact that he's always right. And when he points out something that's going to be a problem, it always bites this team in the butt. And he's it's like watching it with John Madden. Uh, except for uh, he doesn't pull up at 
to your house in a bus. And well, that's when he used to hang out at my house. Now he ditched me for Jeff and the invitation's still lost in spam. I guess my spouse <laughs> check my spam folder because you guys don't invite me for anything. But um, with, with that being said, no, Dave is Dave's right. And when he put that on the Slack channel, it's not just ask Jefferson Hartman because he put it on the Slack channel. And I read that. I'm like, damn it. He's right. And what I was saying, all this there before you go. It happened. Before yes. It happened. And that's, Ugh. but, that's the problem when I'm watching a game with you and you say that this is going to happen, it happens. And that's the worst part. It's because you're right. And I'm giving you credit. Yeah. Okay. I know. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I wish I, I, wish I would have been wrong. You oh. know, tell Maddie Peverell, dude, I don't, I watched the game on behind maybe a couple of times because something <laughs> happens. I don't do that all the time. My gosh, give me another chance. In fact, uh, you, you need to be in our office Monday morning anyways, Peverell. <laughs> Sean Manning gives us $2, says fourth and goal, two-yard pass. That was the Cincinnati Bengals defense fooling Ben Roethlisberger. He read all-out blitz. They all backed off. He swings it out thinking that Najee would have a chance to make a play, and they all backed off into coverage, and it you, you saw the end result. I'll say this as we go into break. The offense is the same way under Feetner in one way. It's predictable, and you can ask Dave. Derek Watt was on the field, and I, what did I say? I was calling plays before they even happened. Juju goes in motion. Watch, they're going to throw a little dink off, a little dump pass to Juju. It's so predictable, everything about it. That's the big issue with the Steelers. So we're going to take a break enough with the D offense. We're going to go to the defense. There's plenty to worry about there too, right after this break. So if you're on our audio side, go to part two. If you're listening on YouTube or Facebook live, stay tuned. Cause we're not going anywhere. 